0: my name is Marcus Johnson and I am um, an educator. I'm currently serving as the executive director of strategic brand development for a branding company called My Brand Inc. And uh, I was born and raised in Atlantic City, very proud to say that, and uh, lived up in New York for the last three years. But as of August, I have relocated to Atlantic County and I'm
1: Happy
0: to be. <laughs> I, I really am. I mean, never thought I'd hear myself say those words again, but I, I really am. It's great. And um, if I could be a part of a TV show, this is going to sound crazy, but it would be scandal.
2: <laughs> oh, it's wow.
0: intense and it has a woman in charge, and
1: it's just <laughs> yes. That's where I, I would really just want to be, Olivia Pope. But <laughs> that's a different conversation. <laughs> so I think I'm gonna pass it over to my dear friend. Okay. Um, I'm Mike. I, Mike Niece, grew up in, I, in the New Brunswick area, and uh, migrated to South Jersey when I went to Stockton. Uh, upon graduating there, I moved to Atlantic City, where I've lived for the last seven or eight years now, and uh, my show, I'm gonna go with Rick and Morty. I think I would like to live there. <coughs>
3: uh, that's
1: where I want to be. Make of that what you are. <laughs> okay, I'm uh, Dion,
4: and I went to AC High and Stockton, so that's an Atlantic County local thing. I'm not quite local anymore, but I am as well, because I'm here right now. And everybody that I know and and family with lives in Atlantic County, so I call myself Atlantic County. If I could live in any TV show, since he took Rick and Morty, I think I'll have to go with... Um, torture porn, I'll live in
3: Game of Thrones. Can I ask which house you would be in? Stark. Oh, okay. (laughs) She's roughing it. (laughs) So my name is Travis Love. I'm born and raised um, in Atlantic City. I live in Newark now. Um, I work with Rutgers New Jersey Medical School. And if I was to live in any TV show, I think it would be the Cosby Show. I knew you we were gonna say The Cosby Show. <laughs> I, knew it I knew did you were gonna say I just always want to come through the doors and have um, the Huxtables greet me and offer me coffee. What?
4: Uh-huh. <laughs> Watch it. Watch it. Oh, <laughs> sorry.
3: Very cool story.
2: I'm Belinda, and uh, I'm retired. Um sort of. I'm not sure what that means, but I don't go to a place of work for somebody else every day, put it that way. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've lived in Atlantic County almost all of my life. I was born here. Um, I went to high school here, and elementary school. Um, Let's see, television show. Well, this is really like not one that is a continuing show It comes up every now and then, every few years or maybe once a year I'm not really sure, but uh, the show is Project Runway (laughs) (laughs) Yeah Love I like to make stuff Uh, (laughs)
5: Look around us (laughs) (laughs) I'm David and I was born in Allentown, Pennsylvania, but I've been in Atlantic County for 53 years now, so I guess I'm from here. Uh, Retired from the electric company, and my job now is to ride my bike as much as I can when it doesn't rain. Or snow. Or snow. Because I used to say it keeps me young, but I can't say that. It slows down the aging process. Mm-hmm. And the TV show I think I'd like to be in would be Seinfeld because it was about absolutely nothing. But <laughs> <laughs> so what what are the issues that you would most want the New Jersey New
1: Jersey's next governor to handle? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, for one thing, I I would I would really want them to stop. Uh, we we've just come through this period of. Pit, and this this is that whole thing of pitting one class against another. And I really would, that, that for me, public employees have taken such a hit mm. in terms of their credibility, in terms of their integrity, in terms of their value, in terms of all of those things. And they have just been um, the life uh, blood of, of of that group of people, whether you're talking about teachers or um, uh, any other unionized um, public part of the workforce, and I'm sure that there are problems with them, there are problems with everybody, but don't dehumanize them, which is what what has happened in the past, and I would like to see a governor begin to mend some of those fences. Mm. And to um, give them a break, give us all a break, and just stop bashing um, and causing divisions.
4: So you want a rhetoric change? Mm. You want the rhetoric to
1: change?
2: Yes, I want the rhetoric to change dramatically. I
1: think, and, I think it's a really good point demolition. in in New Jersey specifically, how toxic the idea of public work, of publicly funded work has become. We yes. really allowed the, you know, the highest leaders to just exactly. turn them into whipping boys.
2: Exactly. I'll tell you, this whole thing with the, um, the drug, um, <clears throat> opioid, I opioid, the, no, the, the pharmaceutical thing with the Oh yeah the,
5: the teachers with the and teachers the and all that
2: and, and the, the way that they went at that, I mean I, I, I have a, a, I'm not saying what they did was justified. what I'm saying what I want to say though, is that the the rhetoric in the paper became that public employees have a um, cream of the crop. They have the cream of the crop as it relates to their benefits. And so that makes them um, accessible as a target for um, uh, fraud. Um, that fraud runs rampant because these people lack the integrity mm. to do the right thing. Mm. But the wolves, the people who have been, you know, um, mm-hmm. Categorized as the worst, the criminals. The criminals, you know, um, are public employees. Are the public employees, mm-hmm. and that for me, I, I'm not saying what they did was right. I'm saying that we can't constantly be making them whipping boys. And to me, the rhetoric has been distorted in a way that is set up to reduce benefits to public employees. That mm-hmm. that's ultimately the goal of this, um, this whole issue. That to get everybody talking about the fact that, well, you know, they shouldn't have those kind of benefits anyway, Mm. you know, they've got these gold medal benefits, you know, and that's the problem with unions because they got it for them and we need to break down on this, some of this stuff. We need to break that down Um, because that's the way it's portrayed in the media. That's the way the um, administration has, has, has written it off. That's the way the, the politicians have talked about it. And it's not that simple. Mm-hmm. It's just not that simple, um, and there's enough blame in that what happened there to go all the way around. So that's one thing. The other thing for me is, and I'm glad New Jersey is doing this. It's this whole bail reform thing that that has been it's magnificent, monumental, monumental, and ensuring that that uh, stays in place, but ensuring also that those. Um, attorney generals or or people who are responsible for ensuring that um, they are prosecuting with integrity. And what I'm saying is that I don't want DAs to start saying well you know they got bail reform and they just tell us to let them go so let's just let them go. When in fact that's not what bail reform is about. So I don't want to see it fail because Prosecutors are lazy in terms of bringing forward the issues of why someone should be held on bail, like Kaufman. you know there's a reason he should have been held without bail mm-hmm. um, and they could demonstrate that, so they need to be responsible enough to demonstrate that he should be held without bail it's not a It's not a way to just kind of let folks you know run loose and that's what they want to prove that it is that we are that it's just this is ridiculous that they're letting people out without bail That we should be able to hold them indefinitely blah 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 for no reason um but that's not what bail reform is about and um so I want that that's something that I want um, them to start talking about I want them to start talking about I I want them to start negotiating and dealing with this man in the White House about medical insurance and affordable care and stop calling it Obamacare and start talking about it as an Affordable Care Act, which is what it is, which they all voted for and make sure that New Jersey gets their piece to subsidize people in low-income families who need it. Um, You know, it's just... The other thing, too, is this whole notion of dissolving the Office of, of Education, the Department of Education in Washington. That's absurd. I mean, really? Really? Because, you know, I go back to, to the 60s, and what would have happened if during that time there was not a, um, you know, this state's right stuff, and that's a real ploy of Republicans, yeah. If we allow us to revert to the sixties and states' rights become the most important thing, then we we not we we don't have a union
5: mm.
2: we don't have a union, and there's no way to enforce the rights of Americans across borders mm-hmm. because that's what it's going to be. states are going to have borders and so when people like Strong Thurmond say we're not integrating our schools, they ain't integrating schools, period. And when they decide to do whatever else they want to do, those are code words. They
5: are states' rights. Is yes, code states' rights. Well, states'
2: <laughs> rights is you know it's, it, it, it's about everything. It's about gun rights. I mean, it's about you know your laws from one state to another vary so tremendously. And that that think tank that they have down there in Washington, what's it called? Eric, what's the name of that? Alit. Alec. Alec.
1: Oh um, my god, yeah. Yes. I mean that to even
2: just allow that all to exist yeah. and they disseminate to the states these laws that get that's how we got um stand your ground.
5: Mm.
2: You yeah. know? And I want I want the state of New Jersey to become more vocal mm. in terms of and not just from its senatorial and congressional, but from a state's standpoint, from a gubernatorial standpoint, and I think that the governors in these states need to get together when they have what is it called? I think governors need to. They have these governors' conferences, right? Uh huh. Well, y'all need to really get together and talk about some stuff. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know, there needs to really be a coalition, and if New Jersey needs to start that, then
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're in a really important position to do that. Like, you know, I can count on one hand how many states would actually be able to lead a conversation in that way. And we're one of them, for better or worse. Right. Right. Yeah. I
3: mean, when you think
2: about the money generated on the federal level from you know, and And that's what I think we don't negotiate about. And they're getting ready to disseminate our dollars and California's dollars and New York's dollars. And all the other states too, and all the other states who have um, some solvency and who provide uh, a significant amount of capital to the national coffers that we don't—they're getting ready to take our dollars and distribute them in any way they want, and we have not utilized the power that we have. Collectively, those states that that do have some solvency, um, we're not using that collective weight to garner some policies that are effective across the country, and we're going to lose it.
4: I can say really quickly that the issues that I would hope the governor would address for New Jersey is obviously what happened in the past couple of years, which is the loss of all of the casinos and all the casino jobs. I think that we probably have... I haven't looked at the numbers, but one of the highest fore- foreclosure rates in the country probably due to the loss of those casino jobs and all the ancillary jobs that came with that and that have shut- shuttered their businesses due to that loss. So, like the rest of America, it's jobs, but I think we're feeling it a little bit more seriously because of what we had relied on for so many decades. So, jobs would be number one, dealing with Atlantic City, specifically. Um, because that's going to affect quality of life, crime, and literally everything else. Yeah.
1: To piggyback off that, I mean, in Atlantic City, um, when I started case managing here, um, we had, it was modest, but we had a supported work program, where if you showed up at City Hall and you literally had no income, they would get you work. Um, there were other eligibility criteria and things like that. It wasn't permanent, but it was a tiny example of how you could help people get out of the hole that now a crushing amount of people in Atlantic County are in. Um, and to me, that is the start of you know how we could, the state, even before the private sector sorts out what the role of Atlantic City is going to be in the next decade, um, can start to give people the means to be um, um, upward again, um, or at least to survive. Um, yeah, we, we there are a lot of other you know less um, exciting things like just drug beds. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, right now we're pumping all this money into commercials so Chris Christie can mm-hmm. look at us through the TV and tell us he cares, um, mm-hmm. and to make a hotline to refer to agencies like mine that just say sorry, there's still no beds. Um, So, you know, that's somewhere that's, you know, cold, hard cash uh, that's for something that does work. Um, You know, it's not a magic silver bullet, but we have best practices that produce some results in terms of helping reverse the opioid epidemic. Obviously, there's a lot of things that have to be done. Um, from the other end of the spectrum like Linda was talking about with um, actually properly incentivizing insurance companies um, and To realize, you know, just what a terrible mistake we've made in the past decade or two in creating this this crisis um, But it, it, holistic things like that are all what comes to mind to me um, I, I feel like there's always going to be deep pocketed people who are going to um, be arguing about things like property taxes and all of those, uh, you know, big-ticket issues. But, um, you know, this is New Jersey. This is a place where we should be able to really give voice to um, the concerns of people who are in those um, particular craters that we're, we're still climbing out of and how we can actually throw them all sorts of different lifelines that can um, are worth paying for.
0: I think I, I would want the uh, governor to really um have an agenda that is really for the people and not like to actually listen to what's happening in our smaller communities and to have an agenda that's not a political agenda but one that's meaningful and purposeful to look at access to uh, higher education um to particularly people from marginalized communities Um, when you talk about the opioid epidemic to talk about um the legalization and decriminalization of cannabis for medicinal purposes, so that we can sort of shift, the, you know, yes. that um, crisis. Uh, I would want them to be someone who really is motivated and inspired to actually see positive change happen, and to also uh, not look at it from a political party affiliation or anything of that nature, but one that's really going to benefit our state.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, decriminalization, bail reform, I feel like there's so many things that just, if nothing else, stop the bleeding Mm -hmm. um, that's so Mm -hmm. unnecessary um, Mm -hmm. that doesn't have to be happening in a state where, you know, all the polls show that, you know, we don't agree with policies like these, Um, you know, even if it's not the most amazing margin Mm -hmm. by which, um, you know, we're ready to make a whole bunch of changes that um, our political machinery just hasn't produced yet. Yeah, and I
4: suppose... Speaking of decriminalization, gambling is illegal in several places. Mm-hmm. We legalized it in Atlantic City. I don't see why we couldn't be a resort for other things mm-hmm. that Colorado has seen amazing returns on. Mm-hmm.
1: You wanna talk about private market, <clears throat> you know, <laughs> capitalist entrepreneur solutions to our problems. Hell yeah, it, mm-hmm. it's, it seems like it's the, the biggest bang you can get for the smallest buck um, mm-hmm. to turn Atlantic City into a pop resort. I think we're ready. You know, we create this this manufactured underclass that's just right there, and everyone loves to wrench their hands and say, what are these people doing here? I can't believe they're leaving needles in the street. Oh my God, these people. And it is such an easily resolved issue from the top down, Um, but there's no political will, I think, to reverse laws like that. Nobody wants to be the champion of, you know, help people with drug charges get housing. You know, no one's ever gonna run on that ticket. Um, housing
0: jobs, whatever, it's going to bleed out into so many areas. Yes. But, and so it's important that our right. local government really understands how this is affecting communities and really yes. to not be afraid to push an agenda that's really going to, to, to help us in the, in the right way. Um, it's important.
1: Yeah. yeah. We don't see that bravery. You know, well, We don't have it, I, I'd argue, in our current, um, in the man I'll be voting for. Um, but I think he'll do less damage than the other option. Um, but we we need somebody. I I don't know that I can't think of any in my lifetime who, who would actually speak such truth to power. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that I think New Jersey could do. I don't think it'd be easy. I don't think it's the most likely outcome. But I, I certainly think um, you know it's the thing we should uh, is uh, our role as a community, as people sitting in a room, should, you know, should be setting the foundation for. For somebody to say, hey, if you run on this ticket, you know, you have these votes. Mm -hmm. When I got the
3: opportunity (laughs) to bring people that I care about in the the room to talk about these types of things, I thought, like, why aren't we talking about the election? Why has there, you know, been this kind of, like, I guess just, like, silence about this upcoming election? And I wanted to ask what you thought about that. And why do you think it's been such a quiet... Um, I guess, turn of events where you would think, you know, especially with the the departure of Christie, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the, the particular opportunities that are present mm-hmm. with someone um, with a new administration, why is it so?
1: I know I'm taking a lot of oxygen, but I'll say really fast that, you know, I think we very much have, um, a Goldman Sachs candidate, uh, in Phil Murphy. And, you know, as much as I don't mean that as a reason to not vote for him, um, as somebody who is going to be, um, you know, we have someone who's playing kind of the same hand that McGreevy and Corzine and, you know, the, uh, Democrats before him have. And, uh, We've never, I can't think of, and I'd love to be corrected, of somebody who's brought um, arguably a Cory Booker um, kind of vision um, or level of rhetoric to the gubernatorial politics. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard for me to be sentimental about that. I feel like, you know, we are a state that is one of the most famous in the country for its political machinery. You have to mm-hmm. satisfy very specific party bosses in very specific regions mm-hmm. in order to ascend. And, you know, that means to be as bland, I I think, uh, policy-wise as possible. Mm
0: -hmm. And I, I think we're not talking about it because, well, everyone isn't talking about it, because I think young people in particular, it's not, for some reason, a hot enough topic. They aren't informed. They don't understand how local government... It's really the most important government. It's really what, These are the things that are going to affect you more than anything else. And so when there's a lack of awareness and there's a lack of education and them just not understanding uh, the magnitude of the decisions that come out of these types of offices, that's why we, it's, it's not trending. That's why, so we have to figure out a way to make this sexy enough or appealing enough for it to be a trending topic on social media to get them to really understand, hey, it's up to you this is your generation it's your future whoever you you know elect this time around this is this is going to directly affect you it's going to affect your communities and your kids and so on and so forth and they're not as connected to the issues and i don't know what we can do to actually um help them be more informed or to really bring this sort of sense of awareness that would make a difference and when you know we have a generation right now who is more caught up on just a moment. So they're so quick to just like a topic uh, and like, yes, I support this, and then move on. Mm-hmm. But what are you going to do after you like my comment on Facebook? You know, mm-hmm. Which letters have you written? Whose offices have you called? Uh, what do you really understand about these policies? So you say you want to see change happen. And do you understand what this means when you elect this person? How do you hold them accountable? Mm-hmm. You know when they're in office. You know when they. How do you keep them to their word? So if we were to do our part in making sure that we really not just young people, but that's the, they are a very important population, mm-hmm. we really bring them to the table. Say you matter because I think they. This is a generation that doesn't feel heard, mm-hmm. and that's what we're seeing now. People who feel like their voices don't matter, so they are disengaged, and that disengagement is what's costing our communities mm-hmm.
2: smaller and larger. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's just. Um, I don't think it's the young like when you talk about the younger generation. I look at you as the younger generation. Yeah, yeah, you I know what I mean. Talking I'm, talking I'm, talking I'm, talking man in the mirror. That's right. <laughs> I look at you as the younger generation. Although there is another generation mm-hmm. being, you know, beneath you, right. I mean. But I look at you all as the younger generation, and when I look at you, <clears throat> I also think about my generation, and mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's any different. Mm-hmm. I think that people have become so disengaged in um the political um, structure and the politi- and their ability to make change through that structure mm-hmm. you know that it 's become um, a high risk um, uh, vehicle for people to use it's a it's a people don 't want to run for office number one
3: mm-hmm.
2: um uh, because of the, the, the kind of ugliness that has entered in the political arena. Mm-hmm. And uh, people don't want to serve. Um, I served on the, board of edu- on the Board of Education here. I think that was one of the most difficult things I ever did. And um, I ran with a group of people who I thought had the same vision for creating change that I did. And when I became a part of the board, I found out that that was not true. Mm. And I can remember um, one of the people that was on the board with me when we were electing officers. uh, He would not leave the room because you you go outside of the, uh, you know, they have the the meeting where you, elect officers outside of the open board meeting. There you go, they, they have the re- reorganization, you know, what sessions, they call it. In closed session, you um, uh, you um, nominate and vote on, as a body, who's going to be president of the board, who's going to be vice president, and all those things. And there was a, a, a gentleman in the room who said, I'm not leaving here until I get an office. Oh. You know, I I can't go out there and not have an office. Hmm. Uh-huh. Now, we don't we don't really look at each other when we move to um, these positions as uh, and and evaluate ourselves or others um, honestly.
3: Mm-hmm
2: we don't say to each other, you know, I really don't think you're capable of doing that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, right. for whatever reason. Because they're our friends, or their daddy was our friend, or um, you know, you owe them something, um, but we don't, we don't tell the truth to one another around right. those things. Right. Um, and I also find that when we get into positions where we can make a difference, we begin to do the same things that we uh, criticize others of doing. Mm -hmm. So when it comes time to let contracts, for instance, uh, people still want to let contracts Mm -hmm. to people that they know. Mm -hmm. The evaluative process is not necessarily in evaluative value to process it becomes but I know him Mm
3: -hmm. and I know
2: he will do a good job but that's not the issue Mm -hmm. because that's really what happened before and so you know at some point you've got to stop that you know it's got to stop but when we move into those positions we feel that we know (coughs) We believe that we were elected because we know mm-hmm. and so our decision should be okay because it's our decision and because I'm a good guy. That it really doesn't matter that we need to adhere to a process, an evaluative process that includes everybody and brings everybody to the table and make those decisions based on subject, objective, objective decision making. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it's something that it's very hard for people to do and that, in and of itself, um, uh, pay to play, for instance. (laughs) This whole pay to play thing, um, was instituted to keep that from happening. But we have found a way around pay to play. Uh, because, you know, it's just something that, um, I, I, I don't know what it is about the human, about human nature uh, that our friends are going to get upset with us or whatever, um, and so, you know, not, um, I, I tell you, when I when I got on the board of education, something I learned that, some of the things I learned that people did was just beyond me, like, they would put their names on the top of, of applicants' um, applications. Uh-huh so that they knew that they were being referred by this particular person, Mm. which gave people a leg up. And there's there's just, there's something wrong with that. There's something wrong with that. And people can't see that there's something wrong with that, because they believe that, well, I know this person, Mm -hmm. and I know this is a qualified (laughs) person, and they ought to be able to get this job. But we've got to stop that at some point. Mm-hmm. We've really got to stop that at some point. And that is so much in, in, entrenched in this system. And it jades the system.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It dishonors the system. And I think that it has kept, it keeps, it keeps me out of the system, I'll tell you that. Mm. I would never run for office again. I would never run for political office again. And they say board's not a political office. It is a political office. It's very political. Um, but it's it 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 is it is it is it is a difficult difficult place to sit. It's a really difficult place to sit because once you get there, you're now fighting against all of those folks. And 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 you think that a community. I'll, I'll give you. You know, there were times when. When I, when I, the last time I ran, I didn't run with anybody else because I didn't want that to be the case anymore. I didn't want to even, I, I, you know, when you stab me in my back, I want to know that, you know, why you, that you stood, that you, that you were the one stabbing me in my back, you know? Um, but, uh, I didn't run with anybody else. I ran alone. And when I ran into a problem, All of those people in the community that said, we really need you on that board and we really want you to run. We're not there in the Mm -hmm. board meetings when I had to fight.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. You know, you're there by yourself. Mm. You're there by yourself. And so, you you know, it's important to build community coalitions that will stay in the fight. Mm
4: -hmm. And
2: that is really hard because. Folks in the community are really tired of the political structure, you know, and um, helping them to gain some kind of impetus and some kind of real knowledge about what their power is and how important it is that they exercise it is what's really, uh, it's really necessary. But
4: mm-hmm. well, that is the challenge, Just like, <clears throat> just like you said and exactly like you said, you have to get in touch with what will engage these young people, what will make them interested, what will make what is unsexy and not trending mm-hmm. sexy again. And it also speaks to your point about the, um, the jadedness of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we lack, I think the jadedness and the lack of compassion that mm-hmm. you were talking about kind of tie into each other. We are definitely jaded with the most recent election cycle. And the lack of compassion that you spoke of before would be a real big turning point if we could turn that back on. Right. I don't know that that can be turned back on.
0: Well, so if, if when you're looking for a ca- candidate or someone, we need someone who is not afraid To challenge the norm right now, because everybody who's running, not everyone, but I'm saying a lot of times politically speaking, everybody's trying to fit into a pocket so that, you know, which way should I say this or frame this so that I can get the most amount of votes? Mm -hmm. When, listen, I'm willing to say what really needs to be said, okay? And that's how we are going to be progressive. That's how change really happens. Mm-hmm. So if that means I need to start a new movement, one that doesn't exist, if I need to bring other issues to the table, mm-hmm. other conversations that we are having, mm-hmm. this, is, this is what matters to me. And mm-hmm. so we, the person that I would be looking for to represent my state or my community is that type of person. Someone who says, you know, I know it might not be a popular opinion. I know it may not be the topic that everyone else is talking about, but it's one that's important.
1: Oddly, it's it's so interesting. Uh, the I love the the way you just phrased it. Made I me mean, think of it. it. New Jersey doesn't really um, put a lot of currency on popularity in politics. No. I don't know if this is different in other areas, but it's so much of. Uh, political fortunes are governed by what Belinda you were just describing, the pay-to-play machinery uh, Mm -hmm. that churns out winners and losers and that makes the occasional, you know, amazing unicorn candidate that comes out of some city council who votes against every single, single, uh, you know, uh, machine thing that's politically uh, inopportune to oppose because, you know, this person pays money to this campaign in X, Y, and Z every time they oppose, it's, it's far too easy for the powers that be to smother them, split the vote, to do whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it, it's, it's crazy to me that uh, now, too, that we're supposedly in this um, social uh, media generation that we have yet to find a way to use, and I hate this most toxic term, but actual populism. To counter um, just the raw machinery um, that keeps the field um, mm-hmm. so predetermined, mm-hmm. um, that uh, that I feel like is a twenty first century problem. That's something I feel like New Jersey has to be on the forefront of because we're at the forefront of the problem itself. Mm-hmm.
3: But the, but if we did have a candidate like that, Marcus, who really spoke their mind mm-hmm. in in regards to like what the machine told them to say would they be able to survive the machines? What I would ask is, would they be able to survive? Rarely. For I all think. the reasons. Yeah. Right with After the, election? With being authentic during an
5: election. Right. And I think um, the loss the
3: loss of hope is the most tragic thing. Because mm. I think a lot of young people don't believe that change is possible, mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. matter who's in office. Mm-hmm the bottom line is gonna be the winner. Mm -hmm. it it kind of reminds me of what's happening in our national politics is this, you know, this this march to kill affordable care. Care. Mm -hmm. It's like it doesn't matter what the people say. It Mm -hmm. doesn't matter what the Congress says say. They're gonna
0: find a way to kill it. It doesn't matter what the numbers
3: say. Nope. Yeah. Because what is this? And so um, I think a lot of people are disillusioned by that. And I think that is similar to how we feel about our local politics. Mm-hmm. Is if you're not in the game, if you don't have the
1: contacts,
3: then yeah. the hell with you. Nihilism
1: mm-hmm. is cheap, too. You know, I feel like it's one of the first tools we learn as kids to just be able to act jaded because, you know, it, it seems more in line with reality. It, I think it's very, very hard to unlearn that.
3: What would it take for you, what would motivate you to go to the polls in November?
4: I'm
1: already going. I have to <laughs> figure out which is going to do less damage than the other. Right. So to me, you know, it's absurd, uh, uh, but obviously extremely yeah. necessary right? that we still convince kids of this mentality that I obviously ascribe mm-hmm. to, which is that it doesn't even matter how much you hate the system. You still vote. You still vote. Yeah. yeah. I, I... But, but it's
4: not just that you vote, and this is where your point is so, so important. It's that you vote. And then you follow up. Mm-hmm.
2: Right, that's yes. the piece. You gotta, yeah. you gotta stay in it. Yeah, you, you got, gotta stay in it. Yeah, and you gotta—you
4: not just gotta—not just write a letter. I want to write email after email. That's mm-hmm. fine. Bothering somebody on their phone, mm-hmm. sending the occasional fax. Or five hundred.
5: Mm-hmm. That's yes. all about
4: what you're concerned about. And That's going to bother somebody, and, and then setting joining up a the meeting small meeting offices,
2: going to their office, right? Yeah. Well, that's sit it. But be in Yonder. your We've own office. That. Yes.
4: Join these mm-hmm. boards that you say you don't want to. I don't know how to build up the mm-hmm. mental stamina myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> it is essential and critical for us young people to do
2: it. You're that's absolutely that's, right. That's, I don't have the energy to do that anymore. I really don't. I really don't have the energy to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. But you folks do. Mm-hmm. You folks do. Mm-hmm. And I'm serious, I'm really serious, that um, that's where it ha I, I just pulled up this thing, a friend of mine um, that I went to college with. We've been, we've, we, a bunch of us have been having this back and forth about, you know, hopelessness and frustration, and we went through the 60s, ain't doing this no more, blah, 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 blah. And she wrote this piece. She wrote her, her answer to one of um, one of the guys, said, I never imagined that the struggle would last my entire life. <laughs> it would be easy to allow frustration and bitterness to become dominant, but that would be self-indulgent. Critical thinking and problem-solving is needed from those of us who have known dark days. Untying the wisdom knot for millennial activists, is critical. Mm-hmm.
4: Wisdom knot?
2: The wisdom knot. Mm-hmm. The wisdom knot.
3: Mm-hmm. Untying
2: the wisdom knot. Untying that. the wisdom knot.
1: It's a tangled knot.
3: You know? <laughs>
2: and, and that, when, when, you know, when, when she said, when I read that, I was like, wow. That just... That's, that is like so, what a nugget. Mm-hmm. You know, what a nugget. That we really like a lot of times we we look at the past as the past and we don't look at what what it what's involved what was involved in it to create the present. Yes. And that is the wisdom knot. That is the wisdom knot. And so unraveling that, you know, and looking at all of what it took, what were the pieces that took, that it took, so that, you know, in in the days of Nat Turner and um, Marcus Garvey and folks who came out of the the slave narratives, you know, what did it take for them? What did it take for them to move into Jim Crow, mm-hmm. which was one step? Then mm-hmm. what did it take to move out of Jim Crow? You know, but what did it take what are the what are the nuggets? what are the nuggets mm-hmm. that we can build on for each generation because I think right now we're at a stalemate, and people are thinking that it's it's frustration and a lot of it is frustration and it did it has lasted our entire lifetime but hey I'm thinking of folks that lived generations and generations before, mm-hmm. who didn't even get to see this much, mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. you know? Right. So, do we become self-indulgent, you know, and just kind of sit back and say, you know, I can't do no more than this, this ain't nothing I can do, I'm like really tired. Or do we <coughs> untie that knot and figure out how we stretch this rubber band a little bit further mm-hmm. for the next generation? Because right. i 'm not saying that anybody's going to see it in their lifetime,
0: but we all have to be committed to
2: wanting to. Well bargain. we've got to really? commit we 've got to be committed to fulfilling our part of the bargain mm-hmm.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: You know absolutely that's the deal, you know like what what is my part of this? What, what, what length of this? It's like a marathon, you know, it's like, we're marathon, we're relay runners, we're (laughs) handing off, off, we're handing off (laughs) batons, we're We're handing off batons, you know, and so, you know, we got this baton, Mm -hmm. you know, and so you, now you got to run your leg, Yes. you got to run your leg. Mm
4: -hmm. But a lot of people don't realize that we actually have, I feel, that we backslid a little bit. Maybe it's the complacency that allowed us to backslide, or maybe it is just stagnation. I feel like there's been some backsliding, though. Backsliding in so far as they're, we're more educated than ever before, but also more ignorant than ever before. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So we have all of these schools. We are integrated now, wonderful. However, we still don't. Some people still don't understand that you have to be at least 35 to be president. People still forget. We still don't re-up on our knowledge right. and we don't know who Nat Turner is. Mm-hmm. We've forgotten all these things because we thought we were good enough. Mm-hmm. We thought it was alright where we were.
1: Cool. It
4: was. It was great. Yeah. But we have the baton now.
1: right? Mm-hmm. And
4: so we have to keep pushing.
0: And we hold ourselves we have to hold ourselves accountable. They don't know that term because he's not tweeting.
3: And we actually haven't we've been we're more segregated
1: now than we've been. So. Absolutely. I was about to say, you know, yeah, I feel like we have this illusion of integration. And if, you know, for example, if you go to AC High, you're like, okay, this is multiple districts combined together, so I see people of different colors, but we go home to more segregated communities than ever. Mm. And I feel like that's in some ways even more dangerous, um, mm-hmm. you know, than the original paradigm in the fifties, because now we don't even have, um, you know, and now the issue is more obfuscated um, for those who want to believe uh, that we live in an equal place, um, right? And, and I- if you
2: walk into those classrooms, the individual classrooms at AC High, and you see who's sitting in the AP. classes and the high mm-hmm. classes. It's always the
4: same. And who's
2: sitting in general education mm-hmm. and special ed classes, you'll see how the segregation still exists. It's not a lie. You know, when you go, when, when my daughter was at Holy, Holy Spirit High School, the way, that, the way that it was segregated was you would see the kids in the school and then you'd see the other kids at the trailers. Because
5: mm-hmm.
2: that's where the general education courses. is. Wow. Are, right? So, you know, there is, a, there is a way that, you know, this um, illusion of integration looks in the hallways. But if you walk into the classroom, yeah, it still it's different, right. you'll find that there's a stratification mm-hmm. in turn, and that's very clearly along racial
3: lines. What would you like the candidates to know about your community?
4: That we want jobs. That we are not lacking for the drive to work. We want to drive to work who want to work, Um, and that we're ready for making, obviously I'm focusing on Atlantic City here, but we're ready for it to be another resort town. I just think that it needs to be the right kind of resort town, not relying on a dying industry that Millennials aren't interested in, such as gambling, but marijuana maybe, Mm -hmm. it's a good option. Mm
0: -hmm. They should know that we are no longer going to be bystanders we are going to be engaged actively involved in making sure that we hold ourselves accountable for holding them accountable
5: mm-hmm.
1: yeah the the kind of momentum that we saw with uh, black lives matters for example we need to make it clear that that isn't just a one-off mm-hmm. nor was you know Occupy Wall Street you know these things need to flourish there needs to be twenty you know, uh, branches of each one of these things to spring up to keep multiplying. Um, You know, I I feel like that's the kind of power that we're supposed to have in a democracy to actually um, threaten our given politicians for that follow-up to Mm -hmm. say, you know, um, this is what we voted you in on. We can vote you out on this Mm -hmm. rather than just some faceless, um, you know, pay-to-play George Norcross type, uh, you know, making those calls. That's something that, you know we are aware of in a way that I think um, a generation ago voters were either apathetic to or just were unaware of.
2: I would want them to know that um, my community is a very diverse community and that the majority of the people in my community are Latino, some undocumented, and that they need to feel safe that they need to be able to work, that they need to be able to get valid driver's licenses so that they can work, so that they can get insurance on the cars that they sometimes have to drive without driver's licenses and insurance because they Mm -hmm. are fearful. Mm -hmm. Um, I want them to know that we need to create uh, sanctuaries Mm -hmm. um, throughout Southern New Jersey, uh, so that people can stop hiding in the shadows and participate as full citizens.
3: Mm-hmm. I would like the candidates to know that it's time that we reevaluate our systems and our structures. Um, sometimes when I hear talk about change, it's always symbolic change, it's never systemic change. And I think how we fund Our education system is a way we can change the structures because I think our most valuable asset is um, the potential of our young people and when we um, devalue the schools that they're learning in you know we we lose our greatest potential we lose our greatest assets and so I think it's time that we look at how we fund education in our
5: state Mm, I agree with that Travis because Pleasantville, you know, school districts depend on property taxes for funding for the most part. Pleasantville is a depressed real estate market. So the property tax for funding the schools, I won't say it's non-existent, but it doesn't nearly cover what it costs. And there has to be a better way to fund our public school systems. I'd like to see the next governor and administration put more emphasis in the public school systems mm-hmm. and funded from a broader base other than local property taxes